Welcome to Fearless Hustle Collective, a podcast for creative female entrepreneurs and a home to honest conversations about the ups and downs of running your own business. Welcome to episode 24. This week I chat with Frankie Flumlove Audrey. Frankie is a freelance copywriter based in Bristol, specialising in copy for creative businesses. We chat about setting up workshops, the process of hiring a VA, being self-employed with a chronic illness and co-mentoring. If you enjoyed the episode, I would love it if you would share it with your friends and leave a review. Your continued support means so, so much. And now over to Frankie. Hi, Frankie. Hello. Hi, thank you so much for joining me. No, thank you for having me. So I wanted to start by asking you what is um, your one proud moment in your career so far? Oh, going straight in with the big one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Oh, I think it probably sounds a tiny bit cheesy, but it's re- it's really hard to pick one single proudest moment because I honestly get such a buzz every time I sort of see a bit of my copy in the wild, you know, whether it's on somebody's website or um, like on printed marketing materials. I just get such a kick out of seeing something and knowing that I wrote it and that people are using it in their business and that it's you know, hopefully winning them clients and getting them the work that they want to do and the work that they love. That's every time that happens, I feel really proud of myself. (laughs) Yeah, so you should. No, it's a great feeling, isn't it? I think, um, yeah, I think it should be celebrated more, actually. Yeah, like those are the sort of, I guess people might think that's kind of like the small win, but it feels really big, still feels really big to me. You know, I remember the first website I ever wrote copy for you know how excited I was and I still feel that way now so <laughs> I that's think that's a, good yeah, I think that's... it means I'm in the right business yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely I was gonna say that that's a really kind of good indicator that you're still very much happy with what you're doing and pursuing the right kind of career path yeah yeah so um why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself because we jumped straight in but um what is it that you do now for those so, who don't know Yeah, um, so I run a copywriting business called Love Audrey um, and I work mainly with uh, small creative businesses. A lot, um, my sort of, my my roots were in the wedding industry so I work with a lot of wedding businesses um, but also, you know, I also have a lot lot of variety as well so I do a lot with kind of um, well-being and lifestyle businesses as well and um, I sort of produce any and all copy that those businesses need so whether that's for their website or um marketing materials or brochures or blog posts um yeah I just I just write a lot of words basically (laughs) and where did you first start your business or when even um what what did that look like so I've been freelance since um early 2012 but I would say that my business in its current form has existed since um, the end of 2013. So um, that's when I kind of started to think of myself as a copywriter and started to work with clients uh, in that in that way. Um, prior to that, I'd been doing a sort of a bit of a, a mix of writing and admin. I was working um, primarily with a with a wedding blog. 
and I was doing sort of a lot behind the scenes but also creating content for the blog and working on sponsored posts and things but it was towards the end of 2013 that I sort of um, took on more clients and started to really move in that direction of, of sort of officially becoming a copywriter. And I'm assuming obviously given that you worked for a wedding blog I'm assuming the fact that you then followed on with working in the kind of wedding industry that, that came naturally. Yeah. yeah yeah so I made um, I had a lot of contacts I've made a lot of contacts during my time at um, Love My Dress was the wedding blog that I worked for. Oh, okay. And um yeah, that's that was sort of my my foot in the door of the wedding industry, really. And do you still write for wedding blogs? Um, funnily enough, well, no, not really. But sometimes I do on behalf of clients. So I did recently. I had a client who wanted to have a sponsored post on um, a wedding blog, a lovely wedding blog called So You're Getting Married, um, and and I wrote the sponsored post for them and I it, it felt funny I sort of said um at the time oh, I feel like I'm going back to my roots writing something for a wedding blog <laughs> so um did you so kind of growing up um did you always know that you were going to work in the creative industry is that kind um, of I, I I don't know if I I don't know if I'd say I always knew I I definitely wanted to be a writer when I was little um and I think that but I think I didn't really have a clear idea of what that might look like, whether that would be journalism or, you know, being locked in a room writing novels, you know, <laughs> I didn't, I just knew that I wanted to write. Um, and I think I got a little bit waylaid at one point, I thought I wanted to go into teaching. Um, and then I sort of, I had children and my career developed quite organically, um, after that after that it sort of wasn't there wasn't a grand plan but I think I probably always knew I would do something creative that was where my like my passion was yeah and you've mentioned um the possibility of writing a novel is that something that you would want to do uh one day <laughs> one day <laughs> that's yeah. a big question <laughs> yeah I think well I don't know are there any writers that don't think maybe it would be nice to be published one day I don't know yeah um, well, funny enough, I think it crosses almost everybody's mind, even if they're not writers. I think it's one of those yeah. things that people dream of doing one day. Uh, we've all got a book in us, haven't we? That's kind of like what this how the saying goes, doesn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. I, I, I mean, I, I would, I would, one day maybe. I think um, just need a few extra hours in the day or an extra day in the week to. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so I wanted to um, ask about the workshops that you've been putting on for the wedding industry. Um, yeah. Is that something you've been doing for a while now? Yeah, so um, they're called the wedding sessions and I run them with my friend and colleague in the wedding industry, Kirsten, who runs a business called The Little Wedding Helper. She's a wedding stylist. Um, <clears throat> and she, the concept originally was started by... Kirsten and another mutual friend of ours called Emma who who used to be working in the wedding industry but has since um, left to run her empire of pubs in the Midlands as you do um, and um, 
I sort of stepped in, I sort of took over from Emma and joined Kirsten running the workshops. And we did our first one together in 2017. And we're just coming up now to sort of doing our fourth or fifth workshop together. But it's about the ninth or tenth wedding session. Yeah, overall. Um, But yeah, so we've been doing that together since 2017. And they are workshops that are aimed at sort of fledgling entrepreneurs in the wedding industry business owners or people who've been in business for a couple of years still quite still quite new and kind of just need just want to kind of update skills and refine things and maybe get a bit of a bit motivation or a bit more direction in the early stages of their sort of business journey um and we cover all sorts of things it's a day-long workshop um but it's all very, it's very specific to the wedding industry. So, um, yeah, that's the sort of the gist of it. <laughs> and as I've been kind of following you on Instagram, it seems that they have both. So you've you've had you announced one date recently, and it's sold out. And you have since released another date. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So we released. So we we run them in spring and autumn and last year we did one in the spring and, and one in the autumn um, and our plan was to do the same again this year uh, and so we launched that spring date a couple of weeks ago and it, we sold out within six hours and we were t- it tot- we were completely surprised totally unexpected it's not how they've sold before um, it's been much more of a slow burn and we've still been sort of pushing those ticket sales right up to the sort of the week before um so yeah that took us by surprise and there was still obviously some demand we were still getting messages and emails from people who had missed out so we decided to release a second date and that also sold out very very quickly so yeah we've got two spring workshops coming up um we were only expecting to have to do one (laughs) yeah that's incredible news though that's really kind of and what what do you think was kind of the secret to them selling out? Was there anything in particular that you maybe have done differently? Um, I don't. I I I don't know if it's. Yeah, I don't know if I can distill it down to one thing. I think it's probably a number of different factors. I think it's a big part of it is just that momentum of having done it multiple times now, and every time we've done it, we've obviously had attendees who've come along and then I'd like to think told other people about their experience and um you know basically recommended it to other to other people in the industry um and that means we've had people sort of already invested in the idea before before we launched um I think we also got the timing right we uh launched so it was like the last week of January and I think people are naturally thinking about um their goals and their plans for the year they're quite there's a lot of focus isn't there in January on sort of investing in yourself and working on yourself and your business so I think people are just looking for that that kind of thing um I think we got the pricing right like the pricing structure this time and yeah I just think we sort of refined a few things that we we learned from the previous launches and um then there's just an element of luck, I think, as well. <laughs> I think um, I think you, you're so right that actually when you launch something for the very first time, there's always kind of little kinks to be worked out or things to kind of learn. Um, 
as you go so obviously having done it a few times now you've got all of that experience but I wonder whether do you think I'm not entirely sure I don't think I was following you maybe a year ago so I don't know what your presence online was like back then do you do you think maybe you're more present and visible online now yeah I mean I've been I I think um I've been I I I was present online I mean I've been showing up online for a decade you know I was I was blogging I started blogging in in 2009 but I think that the biggest difference in the last 12 months maybe is that I've become a lot more comfortable sort of talking about my my area of expertise my my knowledge and sharing that side of things mm-hmm. a little more a little bit more naturally um uh, in 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 different ways as well so like on my own platforms but also I've appeared on a few podcasts now I've also got my own podcast with um my friend Charlie uh called Friends with Business Benefits and I think that those that those have given people an opportunity to hear me talk about what I've been doing <laughs> for the last you know since for the last sort of six or seven years and I think um we all sort of assume that people know those things maybe but actually, uh, they they don't. So it's yeah. it's always it's important to keep reminding people that <laughs> that's what you do and that you sort of know your stuff. So I think that maybe um, that's quite probably been part of it. That although I've always been quite good at being visible, I think I've just been being visible in a diff- slightly different way, mm. slightly more intentional way, I guess maybe um maybe I don't I mean I'm not the most strategically (laughs) minded person but if it looks intentional to other people then I'll take that (laughs) um I think I I don't I don't know yeah I guess um it no I it is I'm downplaying it a little bit I think it is it, it has been a bit more intentional but it also just comes from a place of being more confident I think and so it feels more natural to maybe share those things yeah and I think that confidence sometimes does come with time so yeah um, for those just starting out it's it's not necessarily going to be as easy um you sometimes need just those months years and just that experience to to feel like you can own all of that kind of stuff yeah no I agree yeah yeah um and I wanted to kind of change topics a little bit um I know you recently um, we're looking to hire a VA, which is a virtual assistant. Yeah. Um, have you hired one now? Yeah, she's um, literally just started this week, so oh, I'm not exciting. I'm not that far into the process yet. Um, we sort of had another a call earlier this week, and I've just started handing over some tasks to her. And yeah, it's kind of all kicking off, so it's very early stages, but it feels very exciting. And how does delegating feel to you because I'm assuming is that is that something relatively new to you and your business um, well I'm not not really I mean it's not completely new it's I suppose it's new in the sense that I'm handing over some tasks that I might not have that have felt harder to hand over than yeah. the things so I mean I've always I've for a long time I've worked with um a designer done sort of all my 
any kind of graphic design work for me. She's done my website, um, amazing designer called Becky Lord. Um, and I've worked with her since 2014. And she, yeah, because I'm, because that's just something I couldn't do. I'm not, um, I'm, I'm so impressed by people who do all that stuff themselves. And I know that there are easy ways to do it, like Canva, and I could probably teach myself Photoshop and things like that if I really wanted to. But it's never felt like my natural um, skill set. So I've always been comfortable sort of handing that over to somebody else. Um, and I did outsource some social media stuff as well last year um, to Jess. I think you might know Jess, actually. Jess, because she's based in Nottingham. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she does some social media stuff for me. Um, and that that was that also felt quite easy to delegate because um, I could see that she was very skilled and I knew that it was something I physically didn't have the time to do anymore. Um, so that felt fine. But I think with the VA, it's, been a, it's, it's required more of a sort of mental shift because I guess, it, you know... I can do my own admin <laughs> and I have been for a long time and I and in some ways it feels like something that we should do, be able to do for ourselves in in business I'm only one you know I'm only one person I can't it can't possibly be so overwhelming that I can't do it myself but actually it is <laughs> it actually is a huge huge time suck and there there are better there are better uses of that time yeah absolutely and so what kind of tasks have you kind of delegated so a lot of it has been around the the workshops actually because um running an in-person event there is a lot that goes on behind the scenes and um sort of doing that for one workshop was maybe manageable for myself but now that we've got two a week apart it's um a big help for me to sort of hand over a lot of that so a lot of the sort of liaising with attendees gathering information beforehand making sure we know you know what everyone wants to eat and all those sorts of things um she's just going to sort of look after all of that for me and then on a more sort of ongoing basis she's going to sort of help with a lot of my the kind of onboarding process with clients um most copywriting projects there's quite a lot of there's like a an, an information gathering stage where there can be a quite a bit of back and forth um and there's always kind of documents I need to send and things I need to collate and she's going to sort of look after a lot of that for me but I think we're sort of feeling out the relationship the working relationship anyway and and I probably don't know everything that she's going to help me with yeah and it will kind of it will emerge over time yeah evolve kind of naturally yeah yeah I think it's important sometimes to realize that we can't do everything because obviously you've mentioned that you know admin was kind of this big time suck and I think um it, it can be it can be and I think sometimes it's important just to realize that actually in order to grow our business and kind of deliver the kind of type of service that we want to deliver to our clients we need to perhaps potentially look at getting some help definitely yeah and I think for me as well it was it was as much about you know how do I actually want to spend my days what do I want to be doing and like I'm just I'm happiest when I'm writing and I never ever question my like career choice when I'm actually doing the work 
I I feel so like in my element when I'm do when I'm when I'm doing the work. The moments when self doubt creeps in and the kind of like you know what what was I thinking? Those moments all creep in when I'm sort of doing the stuff that goes on around <laughs> that around the actual um act of of writing so i think for me kind of reducing that and just freeing up more time for me to do the stuff that actually like lights my fire you know um that's yeah for me that's a really positive choice and it's obviously taken me a while to get to a point in my business where i have the like the freedom to do that and the financial capability to do it um but yeah I feel I'm I'm positive that it's like the right thing for me to do yeah no it's it's something that I've been looking at doing for a while now um and even a few days ago I was just kind of writing a few bits that I think I could potentially delegate because yeah it's even like with the podcast obviously you run your own podcast now too so you must know kind of the editing takes time (laughs) Well, I have to be, yeah, I have to be completely upfront with you <laughs> and say that Charlie does most of the grunt work in that respect. I do write the show notes though. So. Yeah, well, that's 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 <laughs> the thing that takes me quite a bit of time, and mine are pretty, well, very, very short because I just simply don't have the time to put a lot of it, kind of energy into it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that might be something to look at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so what does copywriting entail exactly? Um, what can clients expect from from, from you? Um, ooh, <laughs> what do I do every day? Um, well, it's, I mean, it's putting things into words in a way that appeals to other people and also kind of provokes action um that's that's kind of what I how I think about it and it's like most in its simplest terms it's not it's not just like filling a page on a website or um you know the front of a flyer or 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 a page of a brochure or whatever it's it's putting words on a page that actually make people feel something and 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 do something so whether that's you know click further into the website or um sign up for a mailing list or make a purchase or buy a product or whatever it's kind of it's it's about provoking action and um building trust and helping people to sort of understand who you are what you're doing and and why they should be engaging with that or invested in it um so it's kind of yeah it's like writing with a kind of like a clear purpose or an action behind it I think would be how I think about it um so a lot of a lot of my job is about helping clients figure out those things actually um before before you even start writing anything it's kind of figuring out who they're talking to and how they want them to feel and how they want them to act after reading the copy what they want them to do um yeah there's a lot of sort of sort of head work and heart work that has to go on behind the scenes before you even put any words on the page I'm assuming it's very much down to well it comes down to kind of brand values and all of that kind of stuff that like you say it's kind of all of that behind the scenes work that needs to be done first 
Yeah, definitely. I think the the hardest projects that I ever work on are the projects where clients have skipped that step and they don't actually, they're not actually, those things aren't clear in their mind. So maybe they have a product or a service and they know they need a website, but they've jumped over the steps in between. Mm. So, so, so who actually wants this product and why do they want it? And why are you selling it? You know, because most of the time, most products and services, there's lots of competition. You know, you're not, you know, I'm not the only copywriter and there's a million photographers and lots of people doing the same thing. So, so why, why should they come to you? What's sort of your USP? Yeah, what sets you apart? Yeah, yeah, exactly Mm. that. And do you have any tips for those who maybe aren't ready to hire a copywriter, but would want to write kind of effective copy for their website I think think get I think get those things clear Mm -hmm. in your head especially sort of who you're talking to who's your who's your target client your dream clients and speak to them that's keep that in your mind while you're writing um how do you want them to feel and what how do you want them to act after reading your copy um what your per yeah what your purpose is what your values are um and then kind of beyond that I guess just like be clear be simple um don't don't I mean there's no I don't really believe in sort of hard and fast rules but generally you know don't use language that you wouldn't use in everyday conversation (laughs) unless um unless that really really works for your brand um but I think for most I would say most of the people listening to this podcast and certainly most of the people I work with you know keep it simple and clear um think about just writing in your speaking voice but your very best speaking voice, you know, like your telephone voice when you phone your gran on Christmas Day, you know, when you want to sound your best. <laughs> I like that. Like best version of yourself. Um, yeah, that, that would probably be my advice. And then just, um, yeah, proofread it, check your spelling, make sure it makes sense. All those very basic things, but easy to sort of skip over, actually. Yeah, and I think sometimes it's... Um worth getting someone else to read through the copy as well um yeah. just that second pair of eyes yeah and, and also if you're sort of writing um website copy specifically um just think about how you how you engage with text online so as a you know kind of generally avoid really long sentences and really chunky heavy paragraphs i mean if you think about what you will skip over or scroll down on just keep you know sort of visually think about how it will look on the page um yeah and just keep those those things in mind while you're writing as well Mm, no that's a really good tip because actually um we don't always have a lot of time to read loads of text particularly if you're just having a quick browse obviously blog Mm -hmm. posts and there are certain you know pages where you want you want to have more content on there Mm. um but particularly like the home page and, and stuff like that that doesn't need to be over complicated no I, I think I mean it's there's a bit of um kind of a, like a sort of bugbear of mine is the idea that we now live in such a visual world that words are 
unimportant and irrelevant um and but you know we still that is still how we consume the bulk of our information you know is through copy um so and I think so it's not it's not about you don't necessarily need loads of copy but you need your copy to work really really hard and give and provide the key information in a way that is like easily accessible and and sort of digestible for the people arriving um on your website so yeah it's about sort of you don't it's about making whatever you know if it, even if it's only a couple of really brief paragraphs on your home page it's making sure that that's really really clear and it's ticking all the boxes that it needs to so it's telling people exactly who you are what you do and what you're all about um so yeah i mean that's that yeah it's kind of it's still really important <laughs> even though we all like pretty pictures and beautiful visual branding um people still need to know know those key things yeah no i absolutely agree i think um particularly obviously with photography business it's slightly different because you've got a lot of pages which are galleries obviously for you know the purpose of showing your work um but I 100% agree that you still need to have you know a lot of information there so that people can really kind of understand what what you're about yeah I mean it's through copy that you build sort of trust and loyalty I think and that relationship yeah yeah mm. um you know I think it's you know if you just if you if you sort of met somebody in person and they just stood in front of you and, and didn't say anything <laughs> you think they were quite odd wouldn't you <laughs> and so I think you know if you imagine a website without arriving at a website without somebody introducing themselves to you it's the same principle really you know I don't know who you are until something tells me I can probably work out you know if your website is filled with photographs then I can probably work out that you're a photographer maybe but I want to know more than that before I would dream of you know commissioning you yeah or even contacting you exactly yeah yeah no I totally agree um, so you've recently launched your own podcast with Charlie. You've obviously, mm-hmm. um, it's been going really well. It seems really kind of, it's it's taken off very well. I think so. I mean, I I mean, I was, I would have been excited if just like my mum listened to it, to be honest. <laughs> so the fact that, you know, the fact that lots of people seem to be listening to it and, and enjoying it and finding it useful and, and insightful. Yeah, that's, we're thrilled. Yeah, so happy. No, I really, really enjoyed to, listening to your episodes and stuff. And it's quite nice to have that uh, perspective of two people just chatting about certain bits. It's, yeah, I, I really enjoy it. But I wanted to mention one of the episodes uh, in which you, I think it was one of the first ones, um, where you talk about co-mentoring. Yeah, that was really the the inspiration or the basis for the podcast was the fact that Charlie and I have been co-mentoring each other for a couple of years now. Uh, yeah, so what do you mean by that term exactly? So um, I guess you could call it sort of like business besties or um, accountability partners. There's different, yeah, different names for it. But basically, we've just been mentoring each other, supporting each other as freelancers um, for the last couple of years. We, we've we been meeting regularly, usually sort of once a month, um, and it's kind of just like um, 
almost sounds a bit cheesy, but a bit of like sort of a safe space for us to kind of talk about the highs and lows, uh, ask questions, um, kind of use each other as a soundboard, work through any problems or challenges and share advice and, and that kind of thing. And it's it's been one of the best things that I've ever done in my business, actually. Um, and that was the, yeah, the foundation for the podcast is that we just recognized that we were having these conversations together, these these chats at our co-mentoring sessions, and we were finding them so useful. Um, and we just thought that other people might gain from being part of it or just just even just listening to us chat. <laughs> um, and so did you know um, Charlie beforehand? Did you kind of, were you kind of friends beforehand? Um, a little bit in that weird way of kind of, that weird online way that you yeah. can be friends with. So we had met in person um, back in 2013, or maybe it was early 2014 when I'd first moved to Bristol. Um, Charlie lives in Bristol, has lived in Bristol too. And, um, and then we were kind of following each other online and um, we I randomly noticed her post about something completely not work-related which was a cookbook club in Bristol we both love food we both love cooking and I sort of invited myself along to her cookbook club um and I think I'd been to a couple of those and it was probably about the second one I knew Charlie had recently gone freelance she'd been made redundant and had decided to go freelance and I was coming out of a really difficult year um, and I sort of had seen this concept, this idea of monthly meetups with a sort of a fellow freelancer. And I just sort of propositioned her in a in an Uber one night and said, um, do you want to be my my business bestie? <laughs> <laughs> um, and and we, yeah, so we sort of had our first session, I think it was January 2017. And um, and they've kept it up ever since. Yeah, so you've been meeting meeting regularly for over two years now yeah yes amazing yeah yeah. and for those who would perhaps want to have a co-mentor or business buddy um where can we what what can we do to kind of find the right person because I think there needs to be a a mutual level of kind of respect and trust uh for for this relationship to work yeah I think, um, yeah, we actually, sort of, so in the sort of very first episode of our podcast, we sort of talk all things co-mentoring. You know, there's definitely a few tips in there. But I would say um, look at your existing network. Um, so sort of, you know, any freelancers or, you know, business owners that you already know. Um, it needs to be somebody that you get along with, that you would enjoy spending time with anyway um and yeah just I guess just feel it out like maybe suggest the idea to them maybe try doing something over the phone at first or organize an in-person meeting and just see how it goes maybe set some ground rules beforehand I guess Charlie and I did that sort of fairly informally to begin with you know just that it's obviously a private thing um there's obviously kind of an agreement not to share anything that's discussed in a co-mentoring session with anyone else um and yeah just I think just feel it out and give it a go and if it doesn't work if that you know 
that's fine try with someone else maybe yeah yeah I think um like you've mentioned obviously just kind of meeting up maybe very informally to begin with Mm -hmm. um and just having having a kind of chat about your business and stuff and and just seeing how that um energy feels like I guess because that that's an important factor I think yeah, definitely. Um, I think in our first session, we we just, I mean, it was obviously it was kind of at the start of a new year. So I think we, we talked about um, so what we were struggling with, or what we what challenges we were sort of dealing with, what we wanted the rest of the year to sort of feel like we were hoping to achieve. And I think just through those, that, those first conversations, those really early um, chats, you know, I sort of immediately knew that it was going to be a productive relationship. It was quite like a gut feeling. I sort of knew quite quickly that it was going to work and it was going to be useful. Um, so, yeah, tr- I'd say trust as well. Trust your gut on it a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you mentioned that in 2016 you had a bit of a tough year. That you kind of, um, you've mentioned online that you had some kind of yeah. health issues um, during that year. Yeah, um, I was very, very seriously unwell, yeah. And how did that affect your business? Um, obviously, being freelance, you don't have the um, the benefit of just being able to take time off, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so in 2016, um, I had, um, I was hospitalised with flu um, compounded by a bacterial infection um and i was very very seriously unwell um and in hospital for around um 10 days in the end i think and when i was discharged from hospital the doctor sort of explained to me that you know my body had just used absolutely everything it had to keep me alive and it was going to take you know a long time to recover um and unfortunately it, I think because of that, that sort of sparked um, chronic fatigue syndrome. So I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome about six months or seven months later. Um, so in, in some ways, I've never really recovered from that incident. Um, and I mean, it had a huge impact on my business at the time. Um, because I was freelance, there wasn't any sick pay. Um, I had very, very understanding clients. But I still kind of went back to work. I think I was discharged from hospital on a Wednesday and I was back working the following Monday. Um, But when I say I was back working, I was literally sort of horizontal on the sofa with my laptop um, and I had so little energy, I was having to crawl to the bathroom. (laughs) So I think, you know, anybody in a normal or traditional job would have been signed off work for weeks um and I sort of didn't have that option um and I think that that was quite detrimental to my recovery um so in hindsight (laughs) um maybe I wouldn't have maybe I wouldn't have done that but um yeah and, and it did you know it did affect my ability to work that year so interestingly some some work fell away for other reasons um not nothing to do with me being unwell so my my client load sort of naturally got a bit smaller which was which was lucky because I couldn't really cope with with it um and I sort of just drew 
inwards. I stopped really marketing myself. Um, I just focused on doing the work, the existing work that I had. Um, and it was very much about sort of just keeping my head above water. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't sort of really putting my, I wasn't really pushing anything. I was just doing the absolute bare minimum to sort of get, get through. Um, and that continued until the end of 2016. And then um, unfortunately to just kind of round off the year really nicely, my, one of my biggest clients went into administration at the end of 2016 um, without any notice um, and and left me with sort of multiple unpaid invoices. So the point at which I reached out to Charlie about co-mentoring, I just had one of the most <laughs> testing times um, of my life, really, to be honest, not just in business. Um, and 2017 and that those initial meetings with Charlie was all about sort of rebuilding um, the business. And I think I knew it was a turning point that I either it was either at the end or I had to sort of claw something back. Yeah, but I think having someone to chat to um, through those kind of really tough moments, like you say, both in business and in life, um and and having that kind of community and someone who really understands what it is like to run a business where you know invoices don't always get paid or they're late or you know there's there's all sorts of things that happen mm-hmm. um that can be so valuable yeah definitely i mean i think yeah just knowing just talking to someone who understands it i mean i've got a, you know i've got a very supportive family very supportive husband and my husband is actually um self employed as well but even just the difference in the industries that we work in means that there are certain aspects of what i do that he you know just he can't get his head round yeah. um so just sort of talking to someone who yeah who kind of does have that in that sort of inside understanding of of the bit of the business and the the challenges of it has been invaluable because sometimes it's just that it's not even about having the solution to problems it's just having somebody to say yeah that's really rubbish you must that must be making you feel rubbish I can understand that (laughs) that really helps your sort of sanity I think (laughs) just having someone say no you're totally justified in feeling that way (laughs) yeah no 100% and how do you kind of manage your workload now um with chronic fatigue syndrome um very carefully um I I I sort of know my limitations I know I have to pace myself I can't um just push through mm-hmm. tiredness or exhaustion I'm I'm very you know after you know it's nearly th- it's nearly three years since I had the flu so you know I re- I know my body really well now and I know the signs I know when it's trying to tell me that I'm doing too much and that I need to slow down and I build in a lot of um sort of uh leeway a lot of space into my schedule so that if I have if I do need to take some you know if I do need to rest I've got the space to do that and it won't it's not 
you know it's not too sort of panic inducing um i mean obviously there are times when you know a deadline is pressing and you you do have to get it done but i think because i work at quite a sort of even keel the rest of the time and i don't push myself and i'm so so wary of burning out i think i'm in a better position to deal with those sort of like the challenges when they do arise um and self-care is so essential to like my existence (laughs) like in the world um that I've got like a really good sort of toolkit to um to draw from when I need to Mm. that's really interesting I think obviously you've kind of you were forced to prioritize self-care but I think for everyone really um it's it's still a really kind of important thing and I think coming close to being too overwhelmed and burning out a couple of times Mm. um, has made me realise how important it is but it's still very easy at least for me to kind of fall back into oh I'll just push through I'll just I'll just finish this extra bit because I I might as well do it today yeah I mean I get I mean I I can totally understand that I think there's lots of things at play that that create that situation I think you know when you love what you do why wouldn't you do it all the time every hour because it's your passion um so I get that and also I think there is still although there's a movement away from it there is still a bit of a culture in you know in in sort of freelance circles of you know kind of glorifying busy and that hustle and and working really hard and we you know we've all done it we've all said it like oh I'm I'm so sick but and I can't take a day off you know mm-hmm. that's what it is to be a freelancer and that and when you actually step back and you you step back and give yourself some distance that idea is so toxic it is so so toxic to say that when you are your business you are you are everything in your business um to say it is more important for me to do this work today than to look after myself and make sure I'm okay it's really it's actually really messed up when you think about it 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 is you're 100% right (laughs) and you know and I can and I think the reason I can see that so clearly is because you know the point at which I first got sick the point at which I had the flu and the and the chest infection I waited three weeks to see a doctor about the about the infection because 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 I was a freelancer and freelancers don't get sick days you know and that and that and so now I can see so clearly how how sort of you know how wrong that was because if you wind up in a position where you can't do the work then you're no use to anybody yeah absolutely you are your business that's the thing if you're not well enough then yeah yeah I, th- I mean, I think sometimes if we think about the, the, the other tools in our business, you know, so for, you know, for you, it's your camera, maybe, or for, you know, for, for somebody else, it's their MacBook or whatever. And the way we value and we treat those tools and care for them and, you know, are concerned for their well-being in terms of like, you know, how well is my computer running today? Is it going to be able to do what I need it to do? And, but we don't treat ourselves with that same care and attention 
and our businesses are nothing if we can't function yeah yeah and do you have so to kind of finish off <laughs> do, do you have <laughs> my rant about self-care sorry. Oh, oh no 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 it's very much needed I'm so passionate about it I can't help it <laughs> uh, so do you have one tip for those who sometimes feel like they're just too busy to look after themselves um don't be so silly (laughs) (laughs) um I think the the risk with self-care is that it when you are busy is that it can feel like you're just adding an extra thing to your to-do list and I think maybe it's about reframing it and just making it just treating yourself with more care generally every day in small ways so you know that might be just going to bed a little bit earlier or making sure you step outside for 10 minutes and get some fresh air and eat a really nourishing meal instead of your usual beans on toast not that beans aren't nourishing but you know what I mean um yeah and just think about sort of weaving it into your day in small ways rather than you know grand gestures that feel like that feel kind of unachievable yeah no I think that's a really good tip I think like you say just 10 minutes outside absolutely yeah I think even like 10 minutes outside or just those little bits like recently I've been trying to do a bit of lunchtime yoga which you know I get to do some days not every day but actually it's been really helpful to break that day up and just get me away from the computer basically I mean, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of lunch breaks. I think, um, you know, that is something that you, it's, again, it's so easy when you work for yourself just to, to work through and you kind of can get to four o'clock and think, oh my goodness, I've haven't eaten anything apart from biscuits. Um, so I'm quite, I'm, you know, one of the things, one of the things I first did when I was first ill was just start building a bit of a lunch break into my day, partly because I need to, I need to pace myself. I need that a little bit of downtime in order to keep working. So um, it was sort of born from necessity, but even now it's just part of my routine and and I, f- I feel such a benefit from just stepping away from my desk for a little while. Yeah, no, totally agreed. So to kind of finish off, what are your goals for the coming year? Oh, um, I would like to see our podcast just continue to like be enjoyed and to gain more listeners. Um, and I just really want to keep doing work that I enjoy and that I feel really passionate about. I think that's yeah, probably my biggest goals. Um, and to yeah, deliver these deliver like really useful workshops for people that leave them feeling motivated and inspired like they've got some new tools um to work with that they didn't have before amazing thank you so much so just very lastly where can people find you um all over the place i spend a lot of time on instagram stories i'm love audrey 83 over there and um i show up on my blog on my website quite often as well so that's love-audrey.com okay perfect thank you so much thank you so much for tuning in as always i'd be really grateful if you could leave a review on itunes so that other female creatives can enjoy this podcast too i'll see you next week